Are you looking for a job in Web3? Then this is the show for you. I mean, who wouldn't want a job in Web3? Blockchain is one of the fastest growing techs in the world. It is going to completely revolutionize every part of our lives from money to identity to ownership to governance, not to mention salaries in crypto startups as compared to TradFi, salaries are almost double in crypto. And a recent study showed that most crypto jobs are remote compared to only 16% of traditional jobs. Best part right now, speaking from experience of working in Web3, is that it is still so small. You get to rub shoulders with giants every day because all the smartest people are here and there's not that many of us yet. So the question is, how the heck do you get a job in Web3 when, let's be real, the job market sucks? It's tough out there. Yes, crypto prices are pumping, but jobs always lag. Many Web3 companies have still recently done layoffs as late as January of 2024. So we want to make sure you know how to find a Web3 job. And we've got the perfect guest with us today, Lacey Kehlani, the CEO and co-founder of Meta Intro, which is the largest Web3 jobs community with over 600,000 members. And today, Lacey and I are going to tell you exactly the steps you should take to get a job. We're going to talk about how you can prep your resume, prep for interviews, and make sure you're the best position to get a job. And we're also going to look over the job market as a whole and talk about what roles are available and how you can set yourself up for success. And we're going to talk about Meta Intro's upcoming job fair at Denver and then NFT NYC and some more events they have on the calendar this year. So, Buckle up. This is a great episode for all those who want to sit beside me and maybe someday come on this podcast to talk about what you're building in Web3 GMGM. Welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. I'm Jay Bird, today's host, and I believe that you can get a job on chain. That's why I'm carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. GM, Lacey, welcome back to Web3 Academy. GM, thanks for having me back again. It's been a while. It's great to see you. It's been a minute. I mean, it feels like it's been a decade in crypto years. (laughs) It really has. I mean, since the last time I saw you, we've had crashes, we've had mini runs, we've had an amazing job market, we've had a really shitty job market. You know, it's really been, it's been decades. We've gone through it all. We've gone through it all. And through it all, Meta Intro not only is still here, you're thriving. So it was made so much sense to get you back on the show. So many of our listeners are looking for jobs in Web3 or they're founders that are trying to find a team in Web3. So having you on the show as really the leading Web3 job community and building a great product in the space, we're going to touch on your product. I want to start off today. Can you give us an idea of what is the state of the Web3 job market right now? And how honest can I be? Because I don't want to scare anybody, but I want to be honest and I want to set realistic expectations because sometimes I see people out there on crypto Twitter, the podcast I listen listen to, and they're talking about the job market in a way where I'm over here like, what job market are you talking about? Like, what are you like? What am I completely missing? And so, please be honest. I I want, I want, yeah, yeah, yeah. The job market's really scary right now. I mean, I write this week alone, and it's Thursday. I put up blog posts every single day. I've written about six major layoffs this week alone by hundreds of people, and it's been really scary over the past year and some change. We thought going into 2024, knock on wood, things were turning around. Every company pretty much did their layoffs. There's no one else to be laid off. And then like, boom, first few days into January 2024. And not only did we think the companies were done making layoffs, companies that had already made layoffs announced more layoffs. And with that in the crypto space, really, really tough to watch some of the some of these companies have to go through layoffs have to lay off very talented individuals and it's rough and scary out there right now just being honest 
it, it, it's it's interesting because from the outside, I think there would be a lot of people that would make a correlation between the job market and the price action of mm-hmm. major cryptos, right? And everything's you know on the rise, like Bitcoin's over fifty k. Holy shit! Like I don't think any of us saw that happening this quickly in this bull run. The ETF got approved, like all these major milestones that we're celebrating. Most of the, it's interesting, most of the shows that we've done since pretty much December, I would say, mid-November, have been this like really bullish sentiment, right? And it's not to say, I know you're not, you know, the job market's going to come back, but it's interesting how, what do you think the correlation is between the price of the markets versus the job market? Yeah, I think as the price goes up, the scams come back. And the scams for the job market, not scams in crypto in general. So I would say over the past four weeks, I've seen a meta interest discord is incredibly secure. We have all the bots. I promise you you're safe. But I have seen so many scams posted in our server over the past four weeks. So like it, it was almost like zero to a hundred overnight. And I was thinking about this literally yesterday of, huh, I wonder why that is. Huh, that's interesting. Everything is up right now. I wonder why that is. And so I think there's a correlation right now with the scam jobs being posted, people excited about the market, people excited to finally land a job within the space, eager to click on anything. And the market is very desperate right now. Everybody needs a job. And so it's a perfect time to prey on vulnerable people, which is a the job seekers. And I think there's a very clear correlation right now happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from the employer side, it's a great job market, I would assume right now then. It is great. There is a wealth of talent out there. I always find it very interesting because we actually have been hiring recently and you actually, you helped me out with some of our hiring. So shout out to you and your team. Yeah. And two things really stood out to me from the hiring perspective. One was the number of people that are just want to get into Web3. Like the number of people mm-hmm. I met with that were like, maybe not the right person for the role. And they're just like, just give me a chance. Like, just let, yeah. let me in. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but this isn't really like this isn't your skill set. Like, you know, you, I don't yeah. think this is the right role for you, but they just want to get in. So there's that, a lot of that, that feeling. And then the other thing that really stood out to me was yeah the the number of people that talked about how they ha- haven't have had trouble over the last mm-hmm. six months and it made sense to me I operate so much in terms of price that isn't happening in the markets right now that I just assume that the jobs follow that so I'm like oh price goes up everyone must be hiring again a lot of the crypto companies tokens have gone up which means they they have more capital available so okay they must be in a good position. But I always forget that companies lag. Often their decision making is, you know, they're making decisions now for a quarter or or a year from now. They're setting budgets way ahead. So it's actually a lag that's happening. What are you seeing from the employer side? Are employers in a great position right now? Yeah, I think employers are in a great position right now in terms of having access to a pool of candidates that in any other circumstance would not be available. They have access to top tier candidates that have just gotten let go of the best companies in the Web3 space. They have the ability to set salaries lower than probably market rate. They have ability to, um, you know, comp on benefits. They can be cheap about it. And they can force people to go back into office. I mean, that's a whole different conversation of companies, you know, that prefer the return to office. And I think employers, the big guys, they're going to come back. We're going to continue to see jobs over the next two quarters go up from those individuals. I think from the smaller companies, the startups that are under 50 employees, they're hurting right now. They're trying to figure out, A, how the heck did I just get through that, that fair market? How do I raise more funding? Who can I hire right now with the little funding that I have left? And can that get me the skill set that I need to help me bring my startup to the next level? And I think there's a really big gap between the little guys and the big guys right now. Mm -hmm. But all in all, it's a 
great market to be an employer in. You have access to a ton of really, really qualified candidates. So what are you saying like to our listeners who are job seekers and they're having a tough time, they can't find something? Yeah. What do you, should they go back to where two? Like, what's your recommendation right now? Is there another path that you suggest? Yeah. Can you tell them. Yeah. My first thing I would say is I feel you. I'm with you. I understand. It's hard out there. I speak to hundreds of job seekers throughout the week. Um, you are not alone. I would say the people that will stand out in this next round of hiring are the people who leveled up their resume, who spent the time learning new skills, you know, refining their resume, updating it, chatting with recruiters, and really taking the time to make sure that their resume stands out in what will be a pile full of applicants. The people that are networking, going to conferences, the people that are really going out of their way. And at the end of the day, you do what you have to do. You know, maybe you take you take a web two job just to justify the means, which a lot of people do. People have bills, people have everyday day expenses, but it doesn't mean that the door is closed on web three. You can still apply. You can still find that opportunity when the time is right. And so continue upskilling your resume. That is the single most important thing that you can do during a bear market. And when you recommend people to upskill, is there particular skills that you find are the most valuable within Web3 or that employers value or that you're recommending to people? I'm guessing it's not learning how to go into discords and say GM or no. over at one. <laughs> no, it's not. However, I would love to see a candidate who in their skills section, the first bullet point is can say GM in a Discord <laughs> channel. That actually <laughs> might help you stand out. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, other skill sets, naturally this conversation will dip into AI, you know, and the AI job market as well, which is very complementary to the Web3 ecosystem. And I do believe that training yourself to be proficient in certain tooling within the AI space and putting that on your resume, even if you're applying to a Web3 job, will help you stand out because a lot of founders right now, a lot of companies are trying to figure out how to implement those tools anyway. But mm. It's hard to speak generically. So what I would recommend is, let's say you're an analyst in the space and you're like, hey, what kind of skills should I have on my resume? Go to MetaInterest Discord and you'll see the analyst channel and you'll see all of the jobs that have been posted. Click on a JD and see what the requirements are and make sure the requirements for that are the keywords, the skills that are required are also in your resume. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up AI. One of the first questions we ask in any in our application process, like at the beginning, before we even go to interview mm -hmm. is, are you using AI? How are you using it? And what tools are you using? And I pretty quickly filter out those who are not using AI. And I, and I bump up mm -hmm. those. Everyone's using ChatGPT. So that one doesn't really impress me anymore. What more so I find impresses me is the people who are either very thoughtful on how they're using it and they have like implemented it into their workflow or into their daily habits or their daily routine and they have like real examples of how they use it or the ones that are deeper down the you know AI tech stack to use that term and they're using AI tools that I've either never heard of or they're using it in ways that I'm like, oh wow, like you're really focused on efficiency and that matters obviously to me as an employer so it's really interesting that you bring AI up. The other thing I find for us is I just want to see that people are doing shit on chain. Like, I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. I just want to know, like, all you have to do is come to an interview and just tell me about something topical or relevant that you participated in recently. You mm -hmm. minted some free NFT, which then got you token gated access to this, which you thought was really cool. Like walk me through how you understand what it is like to be an on-chain user because you can show me that you are an on-chain user. Yes. And you could even have a section for that on your resume. So mm. let's say you have your skills section, your contact section on the left-hand side, on the right-hand side, you have your about me your experience section, save some space for literally titled the fun stuff and mm -hmm. put those bullet points of what you've been doing in your spare time, what you've been doing that's relevant to the industry, what shows your curiosity, because you will find time and time again that in these job descriptions, 
they'll say requirement, bullet point, curious about Web3, curious and always wants to learn. But that's a really good way as a job seeker in your resume to relay that information. Somebody who's constantly dabbling. And Mm -hmm. if anything, that tiny section can be what gets you in the door to to an interview. Yeah, it's such a good point because it's interesting how and, and, and I find this right now when we're hiring, I don't get a lot of people that have professional Web3 experience. Most of the time, I get people that have personal Web3 experience, and then their professional experience is in Web2 or, or some you know something else. And I'm okay with that. I'm actually completely okay with that, so long as I think a lot of people are not doing a good job of demonstrating their Web3 experience. So like you do a great job. I understand your professional experience. Okay, I'm, I'm hiring for a social media manager role. You can show me that you've done that role before somewhere else. Okay, great, right on. But have you been involved in crypto Twitter? Tell me how you're mm-hmm. involved in crypto Twitter. Do you understand building community in crypto and why that's different than maybe the social media management role that you've done before? Like. It is so important for these candidates to be able to express even something as simple as just tell me when you first bought Bitcoin. I, I often find I want to know that. Like I want to know, yeah. like, did you first buy it in 2017 or did you buy it in 2022? And I'm not necessarily yeah. going to make a decision on that, but it's very interesting to know. Or I want to know that you bought it and then you lost your wallet. And I'm like, oh shit, like yeah. you, you understand the pain of this industry too. I'm thinking as we go here, but I'm realizing how much in my interviews with people, I really do focus more on like your crypto and your personal experience than I do professional often right now, at least. Did you spend a lot of time during your interviews asking those questions or did people voluntarily give you that information? No, I have to ask it. I have nobody voluntarily. And if they do, they don't do it well, right? Like they give it in the in the lamest way. Like our our process is first step is a video application. And I always ask for it in the video application, but people don't do a great job of explaining it. Most people, like let's say most video applications are usually about five minutes, right? There's usually about five questions. And the two major questions are, what is your professional experience related to this role? And then what's your crypto experience? And most people in a five minute interview, they'll do like three minutes on or more, four minutes on their professional experience related to the role. And often I find it, they're talking about like what they did in a relevant role, but in a totally different industry. And I actually tune out and I stop listening and I'm like, just get to the crypto experience. Tell me about your crypto experience. And it, yeah, it's making me, re- and then and then when we do get an interview, I have to really push them on it because they don't do a good job of telling that story. Yeah. Pitching yourself is an art and it's hard. And unless you have a ton of experience doing it, you probably find yourself as a candidate figuring out, is it, some, is it stupid that I'm saying this? Will they think this is funny? Does this give me a leg up? Especially because a lot of the early crypto experiences are so stupid. You know, it's like, you know, you totally got rugged and like, how, what does that make you look like? It takes an art to kind of turn that into then and this is what it taught me about the industry. This is why I became passionate. Like mm-hmm. the the art of storytelling is very hard and it's mm-hmm. so important for a job seeker to be able to do that. Otherwise, they're going to be stuck in these interviews where I'm sure you had a ton of qualified applicants who just couldn't tell their story and just like were either too shy or didn't know whether or not that was a good story to share, you know, and what would pertain to like an opportunity with you. And they may have totally missed out on an opportunity to land this job with you just because of that. So if you are a job seeker and you're watching this, the art of storytelling is so important. Yeah. I'm going to ask you the natural follow-up here. Yeah. Is there a a framework you use for storytelling? How does somebody become a good storyteller? Good storyteller. How does someone become, I don't know. I think I should noodle on that and get back to you. Backstory context. I used to work in casting. And I did unscripted casting for the first half of my career, which is essentially recruitment for on-camera television. And it was my job to get stories out of people who wanted a job being on TV. And granted, those people want to be on TV. So they kind of understood the craziness that, you know, they needed to 
implement into their story. They kind of knew how to go about it. And once I switched out of that industry, I realized, hey, job seekers like don't really know how to tell a story, tell a good story. And I don't know, there should be like a masterclass on that because yeah, sure. it's not a hard skill to learn. And I'm sure there are basic bullet points that you should hit. I don't know. I will circle back to you on that one. Maybe I can uh, find maybe, some Maybe we should do like a web, a web three Academy meta intro yeah. or storytelling masterclass. Cause I, I, I love this stuff too. And I really do find, yeah, most candidates are not great storytellers. They tend to do two yeah. things. They, they, they can be good storytellers. They tell the wrong story a lot. Yeah. I find that a lot. I get into an interview with somebody. I'm like, oh, weird. Like I can already tell that you're telling me something that is not relevant, but you know the story maybe. So they're comfortable with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they just go down that path. And then the other thing is, yeah, they just do a terrible job. I feel like I'm being very negative right now. I don't mean to be. Yeah. Uh, they do a terrible job of like picking one story and sticking to it. So they'll kind of jump around a lot. But to me, like you just got to keep it simple and just tell me a story relevant to your crypto experience. Like I think that's, you know, and if you don't even know what that story is, just tell me what you did in crypto in the last, mm -hmm. more recently, right? Like, you know, tell me you got in the year you bought Bitcoin and then be like, in the last six months, here's what I did. Okay, here's a good example. I got an interview with somebody and they told me that they bought a apartment in Tulum using DeFi. And I will That's never amazing. forget that candidate. Yeah. Like I now I now know that that candidate is ingrained in my mind. I mean, that's obviously super unique. Not everybody can say that, but that's something they did on chain. They did using crypto that makes them stand out to me. And I guess, you know what the truth is, if even if you don't have any money, just go do a bunch of stuff on chain. Like there's free NFTs you can mint. There's points programs yeah. you can join. There's airdrop farming. There's all these things that you can do. Just go do one of those things, do it fully. And then just tell me that you did it. I don't even really care if you can tell me like, you know, what it meant to you, that would be nice. But if you can just tell me you did it, I'm stoked on you now. And now I can yeah. like really, you stand out in my mind, not just as like, oh yeah, somebody who's been in crypto for a few years, but no, you did something specific. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Storytelling. So important. Let's go from state of job market. Well, I'm sure we we might have scared some of our listeners. It's not hopeless, I will say. At least I yeah. think, you know, it's coming back. Be careful out there. Watch out for scams. And I think that there is going to be, I would assume, I guess here's a question for you. When do you think the job market will come back? Can you predict that at all? Soon? No. With my magic ball? I think, you know, the big companies are always hiring the Binance Crockett. And I do say that a little bit in a skeptical way because there are such a thing as ghost jobs. And, you know, if you've been around the computer, you what ghost job? What, what's a ghost job? So a ghost job is like a vanity job, a job that maybe they're thinking about hiring for, but not actually hiring for right this minute. There can be so many ways that are like maybe a bit more nefarious saying that these companies are doing that but i am saying that there are jobs out there that are being posted that companies are not necessarily actively hiring for need that candidate today so when that happens that could mean your interview process takes two months it could mean that you get ghosted by the recruiter and you never have an answer as to why you didn't get the job or you never get contacted back and so usually you see these like ghost jobs pop up after the holidays, after, you know, sometime in the late fall, right before the holidays. And so that's to say there are jobs out there. So like, I'm a little skeptical when I see, you know, all of these big companies consistently hiring and posting new jobs literally every single day. But that's not to say that they aren't actually hiring for those roles. On all, the market will come back. It always does. People want to work in this space. And if people can't find a job, they'll innovate. Maybe they'll make a product of their own. Maybe they'll, I don't know, help a Web2 company push into the Web3 space. If uh -huh. the job market yeah. wants it bad enough, there will be jobs. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to switch up the order of uh, our show here live on you because I've just been consistent okay. in my mind. <laughs> you mentioned networking is such a powerful way to get into the job space. And so I want to talk about networking. And I don't know if uh, my, my lead here is I want to go towards 
conferences and job fairs, which you guys are doing. But I don't know if you first want to talk about networking digital versus networking IRL, or I'll let you Sure. Yeah. Networking, there's so much. So as a job seeker, and maybe not everyone feels like this, but I, I do feel like there's a big portion of people that do, is that being a job seeker is a very vulnerable process. You know, you're exposing yourself. You're being very vulnerable. There's a lot of anxiety around it. And God forbid you have to network IRL and like put yourself out there in competition with everybody that's around you that's also looking for that same job. How do you stand out? And I feel like there's a ton of ways you could stand out online. Having a strong crypto Twitter profile, having a great LinkedIn, participating in online hackathons, being in Discord communities, being very active and vocal, putting content out there, commenting on people's tweets and connecting with people on LinkedIn. But when it comes to networking in person, it's a different like beast. There's other things that you could be doing that makes a lasting impression. That is a good use of your time because networking IRL can be expensive. It's not free for anyone. It's the cost of getting there. It's the cost of staying there. And then the offer, what's the, what is the opportunity? What's the ROI on that? For a job seeker, spending $1,000 on a conference ticket or $1,000 to get somewhere can be really expensive, mm-hmm. um, especially when you don't know when your next job opportunity is going to come in. So how do you make use of that time and how do you do it well? So we've done over the past year and some change, we've done about five or six conferences, job fairs, and I've seen the craziest stuff. Some stuff where I'm like, that should be like the poster child for like how to network IRL all the way down to, you know, other people where I'm like, I wish I could just give you like a packet so you could read through it. And, you know, so that the next conference, you have these like mini like tools in your tool bag. So I can rant about this for a while because I've done so many of them now. But if there's something specific that you wanted to talk about within that. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Let's let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I'd love to hear any stories if you have any funny stories of the best or the worst. And any stories that come to mind? Let's do that first. I've seen some pretty gnarly t-shirts, but gnarly okay. t-shirts and like matter. Like, like, like a t-shirt that's like promoting that I'm looking for a job? Totally. Totally. Some that are like really inappropriate, but it's clearly a job seeker trying to catch somebody's attention. I don't want to call them like lingerers. Yeah, like that will like literally stay the entire conference in the corner, making sure they talk to every single person. That's also called hustle. Yeah. It, it could be either. I'm trying to think. I wish I came more prepared with what, like what do what do some of these t shirts say? What do some yeah. of these t shirts say? I don't know if they're all like appropriate to say on this. Oh no, you could say it. Say it. Yeah. God, I've I've seen so much. The best t shirts that I've seen though are the ones that have like literally on the back. I am a Solidity developer. Hire me with a big QR code. And the QR code links to their resume, their online portfolio. Love that. I've seen people get really creative with their t-shirts because you are a walking advertisement. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, if somebody can passively see that and like that sparks a conversation, somebody scans it, I think that's such a fun opportunity to network passively. I love that. I I wouldn't have never even considered that. Okay, so... You guys have got a job fair coming up at East Denver. I think you're doing a yes. few more, maybe NFT NYC and some others. Tell us a little bit about the job fairs. Actually, you know, before we talk about the job fairs, what would be other than t-shirts and yeah, set, what other advice would you give to somebody who's attending one of these job fairs or yeah. maybe just attending a conference around networking? Yeah. So to have your contact first, have your contact information ready, whether that's do you know what a popple is? No. Like those cards. There's something called a popple and not endorsed by them whatsoever. Just love their product. It's essentially like a card that has like a digital NPC. Is that what it's called in it? Where you can tap it. Okay. So you tap the phone. You tap the card on somebody's phone and then up pops that person's link in bio, their website, their Twitter, whatever that is. And this way, instead of like having to airdrop something to them, you, you know, stick it on the back of your phone and you just tap it on somebody's phone. Mm. That could be your resume. That can be whenever you're going to the conference. After. How do you how do you spell it? How do you spell it? P-O-P-P-L. And there's a ton okay. of other competitors. Popples are a yeah. little bit expensive, but those are a great way. Having fun swag, like the t-shirts, setting up meetings 
beforehand. Shoot your shot. Slide into somebody's DMs. If you're not sure who's going to be at the conference, go to crypto Twitter, see who's talking about it. Go to LinkedIn. Go to the conference's um, uh, website, see who's sponsoring the the event. Try to reach out to the recruiters, the people that are in BD. Reach out to them on LinkedIn. Shoot them a message. See if you can grab a time for coffee or if you can meet them at the event. And then also have a clear follow-up strategy. I think that's what people miss a ton of the time is like, great, I connected with so-and-so at this conference. When do I send them a message? Do I send them a message? Do I add them on LinkedIn? What is that follow-up strategy? So I think having that idea in the back of your head when you're going to these events is helpful because you know, hey, I'm making this contact for a reason. I'm doing this for a reason. And hopefully there's some ROI on it on the other end after I follow up with them. Other things you can do, participating in the hackathons. There's mm-hmm. most often non-technical and technical tracks. It's generally great to participate. Side events are great if you can't afford the actual event. The side events are almost always just as good, if not better, than the actual event mm-hmm. itself. I know a lot of people who will go out to the conferences, like, for instance, Consensus is so expensive. It's insane. But the side events are, it's literally the same people that are in the room at consensus. They're just hanging out outside of the, the conference. So just go to the side events. Don't even go to the actual conference. That's okay. There's a ton of stuff you can do. People can get really creative. That's all really great advice. Okay. Tell us a little bit about your job fairs and how they work and how people can show up to those. Yes. So last year we hosted so many fairs. It was an amazing journey. We learned so much and we are back at it this year. We'll be co-hosting the official job fair for ETH Denver. It'll be on the second floor of the conference center. We're expecting about 400 people, which is amazing. And it's going to be packed. We'll have panels at all meta intro events. We have headshot stations where we get to mint the headshots into NFTs in real time, which for a lot of people is their first time minting an NFT. First time mm-hmm. figuring out how to claim it, using it last year as their professional photo on Twitter and using it in a professional manner. And we'll have resume help. We'll have coffee. We'll have a DJ. I try to take the anxiety out of the job fairs as best as I can. Mm-hmm. So usually some good music in the room does it, some good coffee. Cool. So that's Youth Denver. We'll also be hosting the official job fair for NFT NYC. That's at the Javits Center, IWB in DC, which is a female crypto blockchain conference in a few more. So maybe after this, I'll, draw, I'll, I'll give you the link to where you can find out about all of our job fairs. They're yeah, well, fun, I promise. Yeah, it sounds like a fun. I've never been to a job fair with a DJ. I'm lucky I haven't <laughs> been to a job fair in a long time, but I remember back in my university days, job fairs definitely did not have DJs. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, when, it, when we were first talking about doing the job fairs, I said to my CT, I was like, what if we just like hosted a job fair in a nightclub? Like, and we had TV screens around the room. You can scan the QR codes. We had drinks. So it's like relaxing and chill. You know, like it's Web3. We can really do anything. And my CTO was like, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) That's not to say at some point I will win and we will have one of those. So coming soon. We'll see. We'll get your CTO on the show. Yeah. Ask him about it. Yeah. Okay. I I got a question for you because you you brought up the... uh, a professional headshot, uh, which actually I think is a great idea because I think you're right. Most people have never gotten a professional headshot. But here's a question. What about using your own face on crypto Twitter or LinkedIn mm-hmm. versus the PFP? Any thoughts mm-hmm. on on that as a job seeker? So at all of our job fairs, except for ETH Denver, because there just was such a lack of space where we're really that constricted on the space that we have. We actually have a build your own professional avatar station, okay, which is a lot of fun. A lot of people will apply to jobs with their PFP or their Ready Player Me avatar, and they use that as a professional identity. However, not all of those avatars are professional, and it is okay to have many iterations of your avatar that showcase who you are as a person and both as a job seeker and as a professional. And so... We built that activation with hopes that people can kind of see, hey, I can be anonymous. I can use some of these tools within the web space and still have fun with it mm-hmm. and have a professional version of it. That's been interesting to build that out. I think it could apply with anything. I've seen it all. I think days are like gone are the days of anonymous resumes. I don't know if you remember that, like over the past 
few years where people were just like fully anon. I think those days are behind us. You you have to dox, dox yourself for some of the bigger companies. Yeah, unless you're joining a DAO where or everyone's anon, right? Like unless yeah. that was the, the sort of the standard. Then, but I don't. Sure. I mean that there might be ten of those left. Right? There's not many. One thing I saw recently that I really liked was the combo. So I actually just hired somebody for for our team, and this was their crypto Twitter profile pick was their face professional photo and then they have a, a little pudgy and so they put their pudgy on their shoulder and i thought that That's was amazing. kind of creative i love that i love that like and it doesn't matter what pudgy is obviously an expensive pfp and i'm not telling job seekers to go buy a pudgy but any little like i think that kind of com- that that shows that you're in web3 that you're part of the community that you're active here you're not just yeah. trying to get in i love that did that help that individual stand out when they were? I mean, I, I hired her, draft. so it's definitely not the reason I hired her. But yeah, yeah, it for sure. You know, you know the thing about hiring is, and and I'm sure you know this too, is you meet so many people that, and this is I think why storytelling is so important as well. You forget, right? Like, so I'm so busy. I'm hiring for a role. Usually you've got to have hundreds of people apply. You don't have to do hundreds of interviews. You need hundreds of applicants in order to get, you know, probably like 20 to 30 solid interviews in order to shortlist three to five, pick one, right? Like that's usually mm-hmm. the numbers that I find you need to do. And I forget people. I just do, right? Like I'm like, yeah. I'm looking through through my database. And I'm like, who that? I interview that person. I'm like, I don't even remember who that is. Yeah. And so anything you can do. And for, for her, this... But Diana is her name. I'll use her name instead of just keep referring to her. Uh, for Diana, this little, you know, creative profile picture, it made her very memorable for me. So I was like, oh, yeah, the little yeah. pudgy one, right? Like, so yeah, it helps. <laughs> well, shout out uh, to Diana. Yeah. Way to go, Diana. Yeah. I'm sure she'll listen to this and laugh that she, I, I did not plan on bringing her up in this show. Okay. I want to go to the meta intro. You guys did a great raise since the last time we had on the show and you guys have built an incredible product and an incredible community. So I want to focus a little bit more. Let's shift from the job seekers to let's tell our audience a bit more about Meta Intro. Yeah. Tell us about the raise and tell us what you guys have been up to and what you're building. Yeah, so last time I was on the show, I don't even know if I had raised yet. No, I don't think so. I don't think I had. So right after the show, I went on to raise three rounds of capital that year which was insane. It was a long journey to like learn how to do that as an entrepreneur. I went and I raised a really substantial grants round, which gave me enough authority and maybe not authority, street cred to then be able to go out and raise a pre-seed round, which then led me to quickly turn around and raise a seed round. So we ended up raising about 5.6. To date, it's a little over six mil with uh, some of the grants and uh, credits post that, but that was a wild ride. That was amazing. And I did that with about 1,200 people within the MetaEntry ecosystem. And today, wow. we're actually closer to about 600,000 people that rely on us for jobs in the space. And I set out to build what I coined as a resume wallet for Web3. We're earning, and it's always been the case, we're always earning credentials every, every which way on the internet. But there's not a single way to be able to, as a job seeker, take those credentials and turn around to an employer and show them those on, on-chain skills, that on-chain work history. And so I met an intro. It's a resume wallet for Web3. It's a multi-chain custodial wallet that holds your on-chain credentials and interacts as a browser extension with job applications. However, our community, for the most part, lives within our newsletter. And we have a tri-weekly newsletter that goes out three times a week, highlights different jobs within the Web3 slash AI space. And... The wallet is plugged into that experience, which is really exciting. So as the newsletter grew, we were like, hey, I wonder if people would actually prefer their wallet to be connected to their newsletter experience. And instead of them receiving this like big randomized list of jobs that we hope that they're interested in, let's instead give them a wallet that then plugs into their newsletter that shows them jobs that are only relevant to them. So instead of receiving dozens of jobs that are not relevant to you, you are now receiving jobs that are completely relevant to you. Jobs, news, who knows? The sky's the limit with that. So 
it's been great. When I first was on the show, it was only me and my CTO, and now we have a team of 10, and it's been a good ride. It's been a crazy ride. We got really lucky raising and deciding to build what we wanted to build at that time. Um, I think timing is everything when you're building, and we got lucky with that. You you make your own luck, so I appreciate you saying that, but I'm sure a lot of that was hard work and hustle for sure that you and yeah. your team deserve a lot of credit for. So I'm a job seeker, and my first step would be to join your newsletter, I assume. And then do I need to already have on-chain credentials to bring to the wallet, or do I develop those through setting up the wallet and joining MetaIntro? What's sort of the typical process for a job seeker to get involved in your community and start to use the wallet. Yeah, so you could have on-chain credentials. However, most of our members do not. Yeah, that's what I would <laughs> Out of the six, and also like, I realize how crazy it sounds without some context, 600,000 people re- ranging from DGENs who have been in the space in it for five plus years, all the way to people who have never heard of Web3 before, or maybe have just heard of what, an, like an NFT. And they're like, hey, is this a path that I can pursue? Is this something, you know, is this an industry that I can build a career in? I'm not sure. Meta intro, like, help me out to figure out what that path could be. So it is a very, very wide range. We are also, I also, some other stats, we're also represented now in over 170 countries. We represent almost two dozen languages. And so it is a very wide audience. And so as we were building, we're like, how do you service that? Not everyone's going to have on-chain credentials. Not everyone's, most people don't have a wallet. So how do we build a product for such a wide audience? So you can either have on-chain credentials, which you can put into your wallet, or you can upload your resume. Our team built a res- what we coined like a resume parser, which is built on a model that takes apart your resume, then puts stuff on chain free. I'm totally butchering it. My CTO will roll his eyes, put stuff on chain and then puts that into your wallet and your profile and then helps deliver a more accurate newsletter to your email inbox. Huh. Very interesting. So like I could upload upload a PDF, like that could be my resume and it will yeah. take out piece of interesting. Oh wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And so so then do I receive the newsletter through the wallet or do I receive it still just like through my email? You'll still receive it through your email. I'm sure at some point here soon, over the next six months, you'll just get notifications to your wallet or you can opt in for either. The issue is that so many people still just prefer email as their form of receiving anything. People might not want to have to go into their wallet to then see what, what they're being notified of. And so we'll build based on what people are asking for. But my guess is at some point you'll get notifications just sent to your wallet. Yeah, we've talked, I'm trying to remember, we had XMTP on the podcast. They're a Web3 messaging Mm -hmm. protocol. Coinbase uses XMTP and a couple others. I can't remember the names right now, but it's amazing when you think about how early we are in all Mm -hmm. of the tech here that it's so clunky. It's so difficult to use, you know, a lot of the, the Web3 tech and we don't even have simple things like notifications or messaging embedded within well it's no wonder no people not many people want to use yeah. it yet but once we have those things it'll make such a different difference and i agree i think it's i mean it's already here in some apps and i think it's coming in a lot more yeah uh, apps in in the future i want to touch base on your your community a little bit here because i think it's absolutely incredible that you have a six hundred thousand person crypto community you might be the biggest or one of the biggest cr- communities in crypto do you have any idea like yeah how, how- probably yeah, I would say so. You're definitely the yeah. biggest that I. You're the biggest that I know of. Yeah, uh, maybe there are some that are, but we're anyway. Growing, so, yeah, we're growing about thirty thousand people a month, and last year what? we did about five hundred and fifty million in impressions across our brand. So it was a really big year for us. And so with that community, like I love Web three, and I think it's been a conversation almost weekly with my team of like. At what point does Web3 take the back seat in what we're building? Because the people in our community, yes, they love Web3. They want a career in it, but they just want a job. They just want to be able to work. I don't think they care about the wallet. They don't care about the necessarily the on-chain credentials. They just want to know, 
can I use your product to get a job faster? And it's the struggle, which I feel like a lot of founders in the Web3 space go through is like, we're Web3, we're going to champion, that's going to be across all of our branding. But I think us internally, we're kind of at this weird fork in the road of like, do we just drop Web3? And do we just build a product that operates better you know, within our industry and services our customers better because of Web3 tools? I don't know. So you might see, you know, at some point that vocabulary change on our site and on what we do, but our community at the end of the day, like they love Web3, but they just want a job and they just want to be able to get a job faster. And can we use Web3 tools to do that? So I I appreciate your sharing this with us. This is the hardest thing as a founder is to know when to pivot and which pivots to take because there is constantly opportunities presented to you when you're growing. And it's very difficult to know where you should focus on and where you should put allocate resources to. And also to know when you make, like that's a major pivot that you guys would make. Shout out to you for, you seem incredibly calm. You look great. You know, you're handling it all very well. Yeah, well, it's a good problem to have. And like, I don't want to stay in Web3 forever. Like, I want to be able to use what we're using and service every industry. What's to say that somebody, Chipotle, who's hiring, I think like 800 workers in the next two quarters to go work for their branches, needs to hire faster, wants a tool to be able to do that. People want to work in the fast food industry. What's to say their on-chain credentials aren't food related? And they're, mm-hmm. instead of getting crypto jobs to their newsletter or to their email inbox, it's just food jobs. Right. And so I'm thinking like that, and that also parlays into like other rounds of capital we might raise, what our business model ends up looking like down the road. And so I just want to be open. I don't want to be that Web3 company that like cannot dig their way out of being Web3. At the end of the day, ultimately, isn't it just about the tooling that we're building that makes a difference? Well, and the ironic thing here is, you know, I'm making this parallel is... Everybody talks about account abstraction and abstract the chain, abstract the chain is, you know, and it's so for every founder, right? Like there was a point when leaning into being crypto and using NFT and using those terms really worked. That's gone, right? Like that is yeah. behind us, abstract all of that. What you're talking about though is very interesting. You're almost talking about like abstracting Web3 at the business model level, which is yeah. really interesting. I had not thought about that and i think that we might you're right we might see more founders say you know what i came into the space i wanted to build in web3 because i believe that the tech could offer a better product and and initially all my customers were web3 because that's the space i was building and so i kind of built it Mm -hmm. for those customers but you're sort of saying no like now what i'm realizing is actually we could use our product still using blockchain still using all that same tech but we could offer it to anybody and it's not necessarily just for crypto degens. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Wow. Exciting times over at Meta Intro. Okay. want to give you a quick chance to give a shill. Uh, and then I got a couple fun speed round yeah. questions for you before we wrap. Yeah. Shell, if you're heading out to eat Denver, come by our job fair and you can't miss it. We'll be on the billboards and you'll see all of the signs and whatnot will be on the second level. It'll be on March 2nd between 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Come get your headshot taken, come mention that tea, come listen to good music. And then outside of that, if you go to minuteintro.com slash wallet slash events, you'll see all of the other fairs that we'll be at. We're adding fairs, what seems to be like every month. Well, we're looking at some international fairs as well. So if you're not in the U.S., I promise we're coming to you and at Meta Intro across everything. Right on. We'll put all those links in the show notes for all of our listeners. Okay, fun questions. One prediction for 2024. That's Web3 related or just like in general? You know what? You can think <laughs> whatever way you want. We're talking about abstracting Web3. Abstract it uh, from the question. Yeah, I know, right? You, know, you want to tell me who the next president's going to be? I know. I know. If you had asked me before the Super Bowl, I would have said Team Taylor's winning. <laughs> Uh, I think jobs will come back 2024. Q3. Q3? Okay. Yeah, that's my guess. I love it. One thing you bought recently for under $100 that brings you joy. Um, Definitely you me this track point. crypto from this team. Yeah. 
You asked me this question last time and I'll never forget it because whatever my answer was, it was so embarrassing. It I don't remember. I was there. Days, and I was like, who says that? Like, like, I hope no one ever listens to this. <laughs> Best thing that I just bought under $100 would be my new Nespresso machine was like 120 bucks. So nice. It's around Good the coffee. Amazing. Good coffee. Very important. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. I also have an espresso. Big fan. Okay. Last question. You might remember this from last time. If you had a billboard that 1 billion people were going to see, what would you write on it? So I technically have like online billboards a ton of people see, and they range True. from job markets dead all the way up to work in Web3. I think it'd be between those two. Are this lame? And it's lame answers. The, the job market's dead is not a lame answer. Working Web3 is a bit. Yeah. But yeah. I, the job market dead with a QR code would definitely get a lot of job seekers to scan it, which actually could yeah. lead them to, ha, 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 the job market's not dead. So I'm better intro. Yeah. We'll, we'll show you. Our swag at all of the conferences, we have t-shirts. And on the back, it's an application to McDonald's. So if you're coming to East Denver, Pick up a t-shirt. It's dark humor. That's like pretty much all of our brand is is dark humor. So Nice. I love it. I love it. Lacey, thank you so much for the time uh, today. Thanks to you and your team for everything you guys are building. You're just a a necessary resource and product in a space where we need more great talent coming in. I hope everybody listening have hope. You will get a job in Web3 eventually. You will. I promise. It'll happen one way or another. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Have yourselves a great day. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.